0: Catholic Doctrine Bible study. This is session 202. I'm your host, Jim Hawk, and in this session we'll dive into the short book of Ezra. Now, the author of Ezra is thought to have been the same person or persons that also wrote 1st and 2nd Chronicles and also Nehemiah, which is the book that follows Ezra. It's written after the fact thought to have been written no earlier, th- or yeah, no earlier than about 400 BC and perhaps even as uh, early as 320 uh, BC. So after these facts uh, were thought to have, have happened, okay? And it describes the return from exile. Well, you'll recall in our last session, we saw that the nation of Judah, was defeated by the Babylonians, and the best and brightest uh, Judeans, if you will, were hauled off to Babylon to serve in the king of Babylon's court. Okay, little bit of history. Babylon's rule over that area didn't last very long, and another world power comes into play, Persia. Persia later defeats Babylon. And so we have in chapter 1 of Ezra, uh, it says that the king of Persia decides to let uh, the people of uh, Jerusalem in in Judah to to go home, to, to let a lot of them resettle in that area. And he's even going to supply them with materials to rebuild their temple. Now, you might ask, why would a foreign king be so benevolent? Well, I would just call him a benevolent despot. What else is going on at that time? Well, Persia feels threatened by Egypt. And if you look at a map of ancient times, you'll see that uh, the nation of Judah, the, the Israel area there, is between Persia and Egypt. And so The, uh, you know, the Persian king, this Cyrus, who is mentioned in uh, chapter one, verse one of Ezra, he feels like, uh, hey, I'm going to be a benevolent despot. If I let some people return and build their temple, their loyalty will be to me. And uh, I'll have a little buffer between me and the uh, the Egyptians there. So he's you know he's being a, a wise uh, governor there. Keep the people happy, if if you will, and he lets them go. Uh, there's in also in verse one, it says uh, he let them go in order to fulfill the word of the Lord spoken by Jeremiah, you might want to underline Jeremiah's name in chapter 1, verse 1 of Ezra. We're going to see a lot more of Jeremiah in his book, Jeremiah. He is a major prophet, and he had a lot to say before, uh, to the uh, the kings of Judah before Judah fell. And Jeremiah uh, Pro, uh, said hey you know it's good. we're we're going to be we're going to be exiled for about 70 years and uh, depending on when you consider the exiles to have begun the first exile was in 597 the last is in 586 and when you consider the people fully returned because there are several returns it's approximately 70 years so he does. So this Cyrus, king of Persia, says, "Hey, not only am I gonna let them go back, but I am going to, you know, kind of finance the rebuilding of the temple there." So, by the way, um, this this book of Ezra covers a period of time between about five thirty-eight B.C and maybe 450 B.C. So some people return, and we're told in chapter 2, verse 2, there's a a couple of names uh, that are worthy of underlining, the main one that being Zerubbabel. Why is Zerubbabel being uh, important in chapter 2, verse 2? He's the guy that's going to commission the rebuilding of, of the temple. Okay. Nehemiah, I'm not sure if that's the same Nehemiah who we will read about in the next chapter, or I should say in the next book of Nehemiah or not. I've read different things by different authors there. But at any rate, they want to rebuild the temple. Well, we need to rebuild the temple of Christ in our own lives, right? When we have destroyed it through sin. Um, so some of the people are, are there and they're, they're going to build it. Now let's take a look at chapter four. Here's a lesson for all of us. Uh, the people north of, the, uh, of, of Judah, uh, they have been resettled. They are the Samaritans. You'll recall from the last session or maybe the session before, that uh, Assyria, when they hauled off the 10 northern tribes of, of Jews, Um, They were, um, they resettled five other groups of people and that area became a mixed race known as the Samaritans who were hated by the uh, so-called more pure Jews up until the time of Christ. They viewed them as half-breeds. Well, anyway, the Samaritans in chapter four, they heard that the people of Judah, some have returned and they want to rebuild the temple. And the Samaritans said, hey, can we help? Can we help rebuild it? And unfortunately, Zerubbabel, in chapter four, verse three, says, "Nope, not your responsibility. You got, in essence, you guys aren't really the true Jews. Don't want your help. No thanks." Well, that causes some bad feelings, and uh, the Samaritans, instead of helping the Jews, uh, they call up. Well, I guess they couldn't call up uh, Cyrus, and they said, "Hey." You know, these Jews, they're they're gonna rebuild the temple, all right, but they're not gonna be on your side. They're gonna fight against you. And as a result of that, uh the, the work stops. Okay? So here's a lesson for us. These Samaritans have a little bit of the truth. I mean, as we've seen in earlier sessions, the Samaritans uh You know, they had a belief in God. They're somewhat syncretic because they also believed in other gods, but they're willing to help. They kind of, it seems that they want to be friends at first, and they are rejected. So what's the message for us? Uh, You know, let's say that uh, there are people that are willing to um, uh, be friends with us and uh, might even be interested in in uh, talking about religious things with us, Catholics, etc. It would be a mistake to try to pour cold water on the Holy Spirit, so to speak, by not encouraging them to join with us. I mean, here's a perfect opportunity to uh, increase their their believers, right? Because, you know, while they're working together side by side, they can be talking to them about uh, hey, you know you you need to consider dropping all these pagan gods and only worshiping the real God, but they they don't do that. So you wonder how might the relationship between the north and the south have been changed? And uh, so there's a message for us in evangelism as as well. Uh, and so there was inaction on building the temple for for a while. In chapter five. We see a couple of names mentioned, Haggai and Zechariah. You might want to just uh, circle those names, chapter 5, verse 1. Those are also prophets who are saying, hey, let's build the wall. And by the way, those two prophets have their own books, which we will study much later on. And so when you see them, you'll, you'll be able to connect them with these events that we're talking about now, the, uh, the rebuilding of the temple. And so we see that finally the temple is rebuilt and and it's finished in 515 BC. So it took 22 years to rebuild, partly because the people of the south refused the help of the people of the north. So finally in chapter seven, we are introduced to Ezra himself and it says in chapter 7, verse 8, Ezra came to Jerusalem in the fifth month of the seventh year of the king. They're speaking of the, the king of Persia. And so that is in the year 458 BC. So as I may have said earlier, the events of Ezra uh, 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 are, occur between about 538 BC and, what did we say, maybe about uh, four. 450 BC. Okay, so Ezra shows up. Well, um, what is what is he going to do? He the main thing that he does is he says, "Hey, uh, he acknowledges that God is in charge of this seeming miracle that the people are are getting. You know, they didn't fight any military battles to get their land back. Uh, they just would have trusted in God." And he says uh, in chapter 9, verse 9, for slaves we are, I mean, they're still working for the king of Persia, but in our servitude, our God has not abandoned us. Rather, he has turned the goodwill of the kings of Persia toward us. Thus, he has given us new life to raise again. Now that's a theme throughout all of scripture, Old Testament and New Testament, right? So you might want to go back and underline the second part of verse nine of chapter nine. Thus he, meaning God, has given us new life to raise again the house of our God. So um, anyway, uh, that's a a common theme, right? Uh, We always look to God for anything good that happens to us and we hope to God for anything that we we may need. Um, But he acknowledges in verse 10, God, you know, we've abandoned your commandments. And what is what is kind of his main message here as he says in verse 12, do not then give your daughters to their sons in marriage, to their sons meaning to the pagan sons, and do not take their daughters for your sons. So uh you know, do not be unequally yoked, which we have, which is another theme, right? So let's say you're a guy out there and you meet a beautiful girl, but she's just antithetical towards the Catholic religion or, or even the Christian religion. And she just has a real problem with that. She's, she's not even going to accept you being a Christian. Okay, well, you need to, you need to not marry that person. Okay, it's going to cause problems for your faith down the road, especially if you have children, because you know you'll have one parent say, "Let's go to church," and the other parent will say, well, "Why do you do that?" You got enough problems in a married life without having different faiths. The most important thing you can do with your faith is to pass it on to future generations, and that is difficult. If you are going to be unequally yoked right from the, right from the beginning, it causes problems for your marriage, causes problems for your children, down down the road. So Ezra says, "Hey, get rid of your foreign wives, and uh, so send them away." And that is the end of this short book of Ezra. Now we get to the book of Nehemiah, which, uh, to summarize this this pretty short book here we see that Nehemiah is the guy that is going to rebuild the wall around uh, Jerusalem. Okay. And he's going to rebuild the wall. The wall is going to be rebuilt by 432. But we see that in chapter one, Nehemiah shows up. He shows up about 445. So it's going to take about 13 years for Nehemiah to have the wall built. Uh, By the way, Malachi is a prophet that goes along with the book of of Nehemiah. You know, we've got prophets and then we've got the government, right? And hopefully they they work together. Um, Because even though the temple was rebuilt, we still need a wall around the city because in that part of the world, there's always, there's always wars. So, Uh, 445 so they go to rebuild the wall but what's the problem a lot of the the workers are You know, they're they're taking time to rebuild their own homes but not uh, putting putting effort uh, or at least as the effort that they should into rebuilding the uh, the walls of, of the city and so uh, Nehemiah has to have a few come to Jesus meetings if you will and 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 say, look, uh, we've got to get our priorities straight here. are you are you just building uh, your own houses or are you uh, are, are you going to devote it towards uh, building uh, you know building the walls around the churches? Um, and they attribute, the, the Finally, when it's done, they attribute in chapter six, they knew that it was with our Lord's, with our God's help, that this work had been completed. So it, it takes a community, right? So it's not just Jesus and me and the hell with thee. We have to work together as a church. That's why Christ started the church, right? Because we can get so many things, more things done Uh, That's a reason we can get so many more things done when we work together as one church. And that's why it's a pity that there has been, uh, you know, all this breakdown into these other denominations and not have one church as Jesus initially intended. Um, So, okay. so the primary thing, if, if somebody stuck a gun to your head and said, what is the primary activity of Nehemiah? It's the rebuilding of the wall and the uh, reteaching of, of the people. We see in chapter 9, Ezra, chapter 9 of Nehemiah, Ezra, who's still around, uh, teaches the people their history uh, for the rest of, of the chapter. And uh, they are going to, uh, you know, they're they're going to um, to worship together, right? And they're, they're going to try to do, they're going to try to do things the right way. And um, he he says, in, in essence, in chapter 13, hey, you're supposed to be in the world, but not of the world. Keep away from the Amor, Ammonites and the Moabites and, and the other people who who um you know ridicule your your belief and don't take on those uh, those those things and he talks about uh, sabbath observance and he sees people in chapter 13 working on the sabbath and he said no you know don't do that that's uh, that's part of the problem part of the reason why we got kicked out in the, in the first place and above all don't go for these mixed marriages things. I mean, it seems to be that that's his primary focus because when you go into a mixed marriage, uh, you are going to compromise your faith. What is really important to you? And uh, hopefully the most important thing should be your faith. You need a partner who will help you get to heaven and who you can help get to, to heaven, not a partner who disdains uh your, your worship uh, makes fun of it, uh, or at least doesn't doesn't support it, okay? You can do You can do life the easier way or the hard way. Well, the hard fact is we're about out of time, so let's go to the Lord in prayer. In the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. Dear Lord, we thank you for these books of Ezra and Nehemiah. Uh, we thank you that you continue to bless us as you did the people of Israel, through no works of their own were they released to start again. And you do that in our lives all the time. It's called grace, and we thank you for that grace. Uh, but we must remember, we have to cooperate with that grace, that we must be uh, uh, in the world, but not of the world, in the in the sense that we are... Um, uh, We must be influencers of the culture and not let the culture influence us. Um, We thank you in the name of the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen.